Before we start today's show in earnest, I wanted to uh, discuss the issue that John Morant's family went through in our arena the other night. Um, I'm going to record this whole show as just a game two film breakdown and and not delve into it. But I it, to to not say something to open the show today would be to whitewash the story, to put it away, and to act like it's not an issue. It's terrible. It's an embarrassment. We should be mortified that this is taking place in our community. But at some point, we also need to address that it's happening regularly in our community, that every player who's not every, but many, many players who've played in the NBA talk about this experience in our arena. Russell Westbrook has had this experience. John Morant's had this experience. It's too often. Our most common answer when this happens is, well, it's not me or it's just a few bad apples. But we have too many bad apples in our community, and these things are happening too regularly. So we need to openly address them. We need to discuss them. We need to be active in our anti-racist behavior as a community because there's clearly too many of these experiences that are happening to people who come into our community. It's not who we want to be. I don't know how we entirely rectify it, but the key is it has to be who we don't want to be and we have to actively act against it at all times. And we have to recognize that it is prevalent and does exist. The answer to just say it's a few bad apples allows those apples to fester. We have to admit that it exists and it has happened on numerous occasions. It's an embarrassment to who our organization is, who our city is, and where we should to go as a city and as an organization. As a collective group, we have to actively act to stop these type of behaviors with communication, with education, and by standing up whenever any of those things take place. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 28th of May. A rewatch of game number two leads to a better understanding of the pure genius of Mike Conley. Taylor Jenkins' crew is impressive. Donovan Mitchell's impact cannot be underestimated and things to look for in Game 3 on Saturday. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it Way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks for the listening this week. I haven't checked to see who's winning our latest iTunes chart battle with Locked On Mavericks. They were ahead last time I checked. It's totally unacceptable. Nick Angstead does a great job. Hopefully we're going to spend a lot of time with him and Isaac Harris in the next round. We'll see. I'm checking right now. I hadn't checked this morning. Latest iTunes battle, Locked on Mavericks, was in the 90s. Oh, they're at 108. They're kicking our butt. We're at 117 on the iTunes charts. Tell some friends. Tell them to listen, review. Give us a five-star review uh, on the uh, iTunes, uh, and that will give us uh, a little bump, hopefully, because we, we can't we can't be trailing if we get into that series. All right, thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, today's show, uh, we're going to review game 
two, I just finished rewatching, uh, and, uh, have some kind of overall thoughts on it. By the way, today's show is brought to you by Locker Room. Uh, download the Locker Room app from iOS App Store and find one of our locker, locked on locker rooms changing the way we talk about sports. Here's my overall, let me, rather than kind of chronologically walking through the game, I'm going to try to give you some thoughts and then at some point I'll just kind of run through a collection of my thoughts on the ball game. So the first one was Mike Conley was just incredible. Like, I don't know if we'll get a chance to talk with him with the media, but I, I don't know if he saw the, if that's a game where he's going to look back and say, I saw it particularly well, but his reads play in and play out were impeccable. Um, the Grizzlies opened the night playing their big much higher than they did in the regular season against us and higher than I noticed them in game one. Uh, and Mike picked, noticed it immediately. Uh, then as the, and what that does, so Valanchunas is playing up at the level of the ball and to cut off Mike, I think they're trying to, you know, Mike had 20 some odd the other night and they're trying to take away. If you drop the big, the jazz are going to get that off the bounce three all night. And I think they kind of realize that it's probably not a way they could survive in the series. Um, and, and this will relate to kind of the second thought I have here in a minute, but the, and so right out of the shoot, you see just perfect read and reaction from Mike Conley. As the night goes on, the Jazz kind of react to the way Memphis is playing the pick and roll in, in some other ways. But Mike just reads every single one of these perfectly. When they dropped the big, he came in and took his little floater. When they brought the big up high, he brought the two of them to him, spaced it correctly, and hit just incredible little pocket passes to Rudy Gobert. Valanchunas is much is surprisingly much better than Jaron Jackson at playing it up. When Jaron Jackson was in the game and tried to play it up, they really the Jazz really picked them apart on that. It's worth watching who the big is in the pick and roll in this series. Defensively, the Jazz have actually had a pr- pretty good success with both, but it felt like watching that that particularly if Mike Conley is the ball handler, um, and I actually can find this if I need to, but um, that when Mike Conley has the ball is the ball handler, if Jaron Jackson is the big, Mike has him on a string right now. Um, and it's it's just super impressive to watch what's what he's doing because, um, you know, frankly, Mike just had complete control of the game. And I, I think we said yesterday in that ball game that, you know, Mike was outrageously good defensive in that game. Uh, rewatching it, he was actually even better than I had thought. Uh He just read every situation and then other times brought it all the way down and kicked it out to a three-point shooter. I mean, Mike Conley was truly pure genius in that game the other night. Um, And that's, that was kind of probably my, my biggest takeaway, frankly, um, in this ball game was how good Mike Conley was. Uh, And that, that's probably the, the single most important takeaway I had. And I mentioned it yesterday, but I'm not sure that that represented what I actually just saw. So uh, that's, you know, everything we wanted out of Mike Conley uh, so far. I actually just looked it up, by the way. Mike Conley against either Valanchunas 
or Jaron Jackson is about the same. The one who really, Jer, J, Jonas Valanciunas causes Joe Ingles some issues. Uh, statistically, during the regular season, he only averaged like about 0.5 points per pick and roll uh, when Valanciunas was the big. And the same thing was true so far this series. He's just so big. I think it takes away some of what Joe uh, wants to do. And we haven't seen Joe in quite as many picks in the playoffs as we would we would want to. Now, when Joe got a pick and roll with Xavier Tillman, he had him backpedaling and did whatever he wanted. Joe's still brilliant at it. The second thing that jumped out at me watching this game, and I'm gonna, I, and I think this is important. I'm, I'm gonna walk through this and tell you all the things the Jazz are doing well, and I, I I'm actually pretty confident on the rest of the series. I think the Jazz are recognizing what Memphis is doing, learning how to react. Um, it takes me back to kind of almost Oklahoma City um, game between game one and two, and just kind of Quinn Snyder's coaching, and I'll, and I'll touch on that second, but. Taylor Jenkins is one of the rising star coaches in this league. Memphis does things very, very well with great intent and are always on point. Now, sometimes, you know, you're asking a lot out of them and the Jazz will expose it and the Jazz scored 141 points the other night. But there are times in this league where you watch a team play and you try to figure out what their intent was defensively. You have to look back to see who should have rotated or what should have taken place. There is zero of that taking place with the Memphis Grizzlies. Now, the Jazz may be exploiting or taking advantage or making the right play every now and then, but the, the fact is that they are doing they are unbelievable in how well they have an intent on every play, they rotate correctly their play. They're in the right spots on play. I There was one play in watching the game where I thought Dylan Brooks like freelance probably incorrectly. And other than that, you just don't see Memphis making a lot of mistakes, being all over the map, not executing, planless. I mean, everything from Boyan gets the ball in the post and they all know exactly what they're trying to do. They're trying to get on his top side, force him to drop step into a into a trap. Anyone has the ball on the wing, they're generally trying to force him baseline and everyone's on a string and rotates correctly. It's really impressive. And then offensively, they're not particularly complicated, but they're well-spaced and they play the fast break and they get out and run and that's where the, his guys are at their best and he lets John Dylan Brooks do what they do and he gives Valanchunas the ball enough to keep Valanchunas engaged. And Valanchunas is a beast. And... You know, there's a four-play sequence where Valanchunas goes at Derek just time and time again. What's important about that is it let John Moran have four possessions off. So I thought that, you know, really impressive um, performance by Memphis. I, I did leave, you know, I, I'm comfortable with where the Jazz are in the series. Uh, watching this, I think they're beginning to get a texture and a feel and an understanding of what's taking place. Um, and, and so I would, you know, I'm not... I think they'll still win the series. They're, they're the better team. Um, and it, it, you know, it, it feels comfortable. But I did leave, like, super impressed by Memphis. And if the, if the Jazz, like, somehow don't play with the tenacity that they're supposed to play with in the playoffs, they'll lose. Like, so it's, I think it's up to, you know, I guess the way I would say this is it's up to the Jazz. If 
the Jazz, watching this, I do think the Jazz have made the, and I'll get to that here just one second, they've made the inroads, they've done the things they need to do, and they have this thing, you know, I think not figured out per se, but they, they've got the feel to it. What, uh, particularly on the offensive end, but Memphis comes at you and, they, and they're not just, it's almost a disservice, I think, to say like Memphis is coming at you because they're actually playing with an intention and a purpose and a system and a scheme that's all correct. And it's really, really impressive. The other thing that jumped out at me uh, was what I would call this texture or feel. I'll tell you a story about uh, being in Oklahoma City, uh, having played the Thunder that year where the Jazz won the playoffs. And and I think it relates a little bit to this, and and I'll give you that uh, coming up. And then Donovan Mitchell's impact was outrageous. In this ballgame. Those things uh, when we continue on Game 2 film review here on Locked on Jazz. Uh, this broadcast is podcast, 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 not broadcast. Podcast is brought to you by my good friends at Murdoch Hyundai. Uh, if you're heading over this weekend, you want to look at a car over Memorial Day, please send me a text first. It'll be busy. We'll get you the VIP treatment. and ha- Or send me an email. You don't have my number. Uh, just send me an email at dlock09 at gmail.com and uh, we'll make sure that you get a superb VIP experience, but also it should be busy this weekend. So we don't want you to have to do with waiting or anything like that. So we'll make sure we take care of you. If you're going to Murdoch Chevy, you can do the same. Some great deals going on at Murdoch Hyundai for Memorial Day weekend. Uh, military discount, $500 off any new Hyundai for you. Uh, 0% APR for five years on uh the Kona, as well as um, on the Elantra, which is the North American car of the year. I'm driving it right now. I'm blown away by it. 0% on the Tucson uh, right now as well. So great deals all going on at Murdoch Hyundai. If you're the Elantra I'm driving comes in at, in between like 20. I'm driving the $26,000 model. I cannot tell you what a nice car this is and how enjoyable it's been. It's why it won North American Car of the Year. There's also the great SUV lineup with the Kona, the Tucson, the Santa Fe, and the beautiful Palisade, which one of our listeners got himself a lease on uh, last week. So please email me first at dlock09 at gmail.com. I'll set up the meeting for you. Uh, if you're heading over to Linden, to Murray, or to Logan, it's Murdoch Hyundai. 4646 South State Street, also in Logan and in Linden. Today's show is also brought to you by Built Bar. Did you get the Orange Bar yesterday? One day only. Special flash sale of the Orange Bar. Now we're just at our regular nine. Coconut almond, mint brownie, salted caramel, coconut, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, double chocolate, cookies and cream, and cherry bar. Sia are the regular. It tastes like you're cheating. It is the 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, and just 4 grams of sugar. It's Built Bar with its amazing flavors as well as the incredible macros. It tastes like a candy bar, and it is a protein bar. Official protein bar of the U.S. ski and snowboard team as well as the U.S. track and field team. Great macros, super taste, nothing else like it on the market. You've never tasted a protein bar like it. It's Built Bar. Promo code LOCKED. Uh, 15 gets you 15% off. That's lock 15 gives you 15% off at builtbar.com. So in Oklahoma city, the jazz went through game one a few years ago and they lost game one. And we had practice number two in Oklahoma city. 
And Quinn Snyder, it was like a three-hour legendary practice. I remember walking out of the building and thinking to myself and saying to Quinn, or saying to, uh, not to Quinn, to uh, Ron, oh, he just won the series. Like, that's what it felt like. Um, I think it was the 17-18 um, series. You, you could kind of feel it. The Jazz had lost the opener 116-108, and... Oklahoma City did some unique things, and the Jazz had a little bit of a hard time dealing with it. And the whole practice, Quinn kept saying, can you feel it? Can you feel it? And it was the way they shifted and the way they defended and some things like that. And that, that was like the theme of the entire practice. He kept like literally with his fingers, like rubbing his hands as though he was touching something texture-wise and saying, can you feel it? You can feel it now. You can feel it. You can feel it. I feel like there's a little bit of that here going on with the Jazz as well. Um, as the and as the Jazz, Memphis is doing some well-orchestrated things, but you can watch the Jazz now drive the lane or get into the paint and know where the next pass is going. Uh, you know, they want to go down to the baseline. Memphis is sliding guys all the way down to the baseline, taking that away. That pass is not available. There was a play literally where Donovan got in the paint, stopped, waited, and then pivoted so he can make the pass out to the high quadrant. Mike Conley came around, got a pass out to the high quadrant. You you just kind of could see the Jazz feeling where the next pass was and what was available to them in a way that didn't exist in game one. Um, and and that, w- that was really noticeable watching the film that it you just kind of, I, I, I wrote down a bunch of times, Jazz getting the feel, Jazz getting the feel, Jazz getting the, the feel. They just are beginning to understand why things are where they are and what was taking place there. Uh, Donovan Mitchell was remarkable in this game. So I don't know if everyone kind of has followed this, but Jonas Valanciunas's first foul is Donovan drives, uh, or uh, Donovan drives, throws a a, a re- a bounce, backhanded bounce pass to Rudy after Valanciunas goes down to him. And as Valanciunas recovers, Rudy goes to the basket, and that's foul number one. Foul number two of the game on Valanciunas is they're in a fast break. Donovan sprints the floor, gets in on Valanciunas in the post to stop him from basically getting a dunk, and as and holds him off the post long enough for Royce O'Neal to come back to the play and... When Royce O'Neal comes back to the play, Valanciunas then hooks him with an elbow across the head. That's foul number two. Royce deserves credit, but Donovan makes it. And number three is Donovan is a pass out of a pick and roll, makes a great pass uh, to Gobert on a pick and roll, and that's Valanciunas' third foul. Donovan's pressure offensively creates two of of Valanciunas' three fouls, and his third one is created by Donovan's hustle and his strength in the post. It's just great basketball. Dylan Brooks picks up three fouls, two of them playing Donovan Mitchell on the pick and roll where Brooks wants to blow up all the actions and get between Donovan and the pick and Donovan won't let him. And it's very clear knowing Donovan and how much film study he does that Donovan has watched a ton of film on Dylan Brooks. The other thing about Dylan Brooks is He's very physical and very strong. Donovan's just as strong and just as physical. When he's dislodging Joe Ingles or Mike Conley or Jordan Clarkson, that makes sense. He's a lot stronger than those guys. He's not stronger than Donovan. And Donovan's better with the ball. Probably not better than Mike, but better than with the other guys with the ball. 
And so Donovan's handle allows him to come off that Gobert tight and then Do- and Brooks is getting caught in between and that's how he's getting his foul trouble. He picked up three fouls on the game against Donovan where Donovan's coming off picks. And so Donovan's just presence in the game and just his attack had val- are the reason, single-handedly the reason, that Brooks and Valanciunas got in foul trouble. And it will be really interesting to watch in this next game how Brooks plays. Brooks wants to play physical. He leads the league in foul trouble, basically, and being in foul trouble. He ends up, he wants to get in between and blow up all those picks. That allows Valanciunas to play in a certain fashion. And, you know, I, I don't know that he can do that against Donovan. Donovan is is just too good, and I'm just utterly convinced that Donovan has done a bunch of film study on him to watch what's taking place and how it's taking place because it, it it's not coincidental uh, when Donovan does that. A um, few other kind of technical things in this game, and then I'll run through kind of random notes. So an example of the Jazz feeling it a little bit is Memphis is pre-shifting on pick and rolls. So what that means is that as Mike Conley comes up to the ball on a pick and roll and you he's got let's say he wants to go right to left cuz he's Mike Conley the Grizzlies are pushing him to the screen if they can and Valanciunas or Jaron Jackson is actually out ready to defend him prior to the prior to the pick be it might going across the pick so there what I would I would just and then they're all their guys are pre-shifted off that side to have Mike for Mike to react to that or to react to Mike so again Mike's coming right to left off the pick and roll Valanchunas is now on the left side of the pick the I saw the jazz reject more screens in that in this game or at least start the action by rejecting the screen more than I usually have seen. And that to me is them feeling it, right? That That's an example of the Jazz seeing what's taking place, feeling what's taking place and making a change. And that is Donovan burst to the lane and drew a foul uh, on one and got a few. Mike got an early an, a layup on this. You're just seeing a little bit more of going away from the pick because they're pre-shifting. The other thing is you'll see them go away from the pick and then maybe they come back to play it a little bit. They're, the Jazz are actually, I mean, the Jazz offensively are fine. They're actually having very good success in the pick and roll right now. They're having very good success on their spot up. Rudy's getting open. Um you know, the only thing the Jazz are not great at is isolation ball. And, you know, we're focused so much on how difficult Memphis is right now. And we're like, oh my gosh, maybe, you know, maybe it would have been easier to play Golden State. Uh, we would have had to play isolation against Golden State, which we just don't do great. It's just not something that we do very well. So I would say, you know, the Jazz are figuring this thing out a little bit. Now, they are still a absolute board to guard, and I give them... Uh, I give Memphis incredible credit on on what how difficult they are to guard. But the Jazz are, I think the Jazz are going to continue to be able to score 
the way I'm watching things. And, and we, we had a good shooting night, but it wasn't crazy. Then we're doing some other one that's pretty interesting, and that is we're running a lot of off-ball screens with our big. And so what that does is, if you think about the pick and roll, where you know Mike Conley's coming off the pick and roll, and they're dropping the big, which they're actually, you know, they're not always doing it, but they are, some of the time, they're dropping the big. And then Conley drives in for the little floater. The Jazz are running what's like almost a pick and roll on the side. It's like a side pin down without the ball. And on those plays, the big is dropping immediately. So Ingles or Conley or Donovan coming off the wing on that are able to make a play in which they are are able to now get downhill a little bit with the big dropped and attack it in a way that's different than what you than coming off the pick and roll where they have two defenders. So look for a little bit more of the Jazz playing with the with the off ball screening, but the screening action has to come from Rudy. That's kind of the key. Um, to the whole thing that, that I saw. We're running a lot of, uh, this is actually one of my next notes, but we're running a lot of small, small interchanges at the top. To be perfectly honest with you, I don't see what we're doing there. We have, the, I just don't know. Like, there's something, there's a reason we don't do anything by accident. But... Um, there's a reason why we're doing it, and I'm not entirely sure what it is. And I can't always figure out what defender, like we, we've brought Desmond Bain into a play, and we've brought um, DeAnthony Melton into a play. And I would think both of the times I've seen that, I've, I've actually thought we brought the better defender um, to the ball. Okay, one other note on the pick and roll that I'll talk about. I'll look at the sequence where Memphis scores on 15 straight possessions and then give you some more random notes on game two that will hopefully increase your viewing experience uh, for game number three. Uh, Today's show is brought to you by Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few clicks delivered directly to your door. The Rock Auto catalog is unique, remarkably easy to navigate, and quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands and specifications you prefer. Best of all, prices at Rock Auto are always reliably low and the same for professionals as do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? It's rockauto.com. See all the parts for your car or your truck. And right Locked on in the how did you hear about us section so you know who sent you. It's rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. Two huge swings last night in the NBA playoffs. Let's check the betonline.ag lines for what's going on in the various series now. Uh, Hawks in the Knicks tonight. Hawks are minus 155. As we said yesterday, the Nets are minus 20,000. Mavericks and Clippers today. Mavericks are minus 280 to win the series, up 2-0. Here's an interesting one. We're minus 600 to win the series at 1-1. And Mavericks are minus 280 to win the series at at 2-0. So betonline.ag has us 
favored more than the Mavericks, who are up 2-0 to our 1-1. Bucks are obviously in complete control, minus 10,000. The Bla- the Nuggets, with an incredible win last night, Austin Rivers going off in the fourth quarter in a seesaw game. And the nu- Locked On Nuggets is a terrific show if you want to catch up on that. So is Locked On Blazers if you want a uh, breakdown on that series. Uh, the Nuggets are 195 according to, minus 195 now according to betonline.ag. And then the Lakers with their big win last night to go up 2-1 or minus 860. Wow. Minus 860. Uh, lines on tonight's games. Let's see if we, what we got. I don't know if those are up. Are they not out with right now? Let's see what I got. Oh, here we go. Jazz tonight against the... Or we play tomorrow. Uh, Jazz tomorrow against the Grizzlies are a minus five. Sixers are minus five and a half. Portland's minus four on Saturday. Milwaukee's minus five. And on Friday tonight, Hawks are five-point favorite. Brooklyn's an eight-point favorite. And the Clippers are a two-and-a-half-point favorite in Dallas. Interesting. That's all at betonline.ag. 50% welcome bonus with the promo code locked on. All right. Um, so the big sequence of the game that probably rightfully so has Jazz fans very nervous was the 15-possession run where we got no stops. My overall take on that uh, to open up the third quarter is two things. One, we were a little passive. It was as though the amount of fouls were being called. We came out. We gave a little distance. We were a little, we were a little passive. On the other end, they just made a ton of shots. So Brooks hits a mid-ranger to open the game. Brooks is a decent mid-range player, but he's not like an unbelievable mid-range player. And, you know, it was like a shot that when he took it, I would kind of say to myself like, oh, opening possession of the second half, a left baseline, 15-foot fadeaway. Yeah, have it. Like, have it. I'm not bothered by it. Um, And I do think that this is a big part of this series that at some point has to come to fruition, which is that the shot chart of Memphis is just not good and it's a math problem. Like, Brooks makes that shot 38% of the time. On the right side of the floor, fading back from 15 feet, he's at 38%. If he steps back a foot longer, he goes down to 25%. And he takes that shot, like... You know, like if that's if that's what they're gonna beat us on, like then that's what they're gonna beat us on. There's like a point where I believe in the numbers enough that I'm like that's fine. And I think, you know, I just think that has to come back. John Morant is on another planet right now, and he is particularly good at some of these shots. And it does make a difference to him, seemingly whether Rudy or Derek is in the game right now. But even like if we look at his numbers for a second, and they're dominant to what side of the floor. He's on. That's the uniqueness to him. He plays almost exclusively on the left side of the floor. And if he takes his little push shot from eight feet out on the left side of the floor, he's 48%. That is really good. And on the right side of the floor, he is three of 13 for the season. He is able to never, ever take that shot from the right side of the floor. So is there a way we can make it? But if he takes it from eight feet out and like... Straight away, it's a 39% shot. Like, at some point, that works out for us. In the paint, non-restricted area for the season, John Morant was 38%. Like, like I, I'm not, like, 
dismissing his performance. It just has to equal out a tiny bit. There's some interesting numbers on him right now where like he has just been amazing. I would also point out he's been amazing. In the open court early in the shot clock right now, he's 8 of 10 in the series. So he's which is um, he's shooting 55% in the series. Non-shot clock, he's still great. He's 18 of 37, but that brings it down a little bit. Like, like let's get him back like into the regular part of the shot clock. Inside 10 feet. Inside 10 feet in the series, John Morant is shooting 20 of 29 from the field. Okay, that is incredible. During the regular season, less than 10 feet, he made 53% of his shots. That is incredible. But not 69% of his shots. Like, he may have gotten hot and gotten better right now, but not that much better. Like, let's, like, let's, if we can slow them down and get them in the half court, that would help also. He's not as good late in the shot clock. That's shown in this series. He's two of six. He's getting most of his work done in the middle of the shot clock. When he puts the ball on the deck and he's dribbling for a while, he's been deadly. Three or more dribbles in the series. He's 22 of 37. Okay, that's when he's good. He's in control. He's he's got it going. He's 22 of 37. In the regular season, though, he's 43% on those shots. It's... It's what he does 60% of the time. He's taking three or more dribbles. That's how he's playing 60% of the time. But he's 44% in the regular season. He's like 65% in the series. These will calm down. So they open with Brooks hitting mid-range. Then Morant hits an off-the-bounce three-point shot. Like, that's just not, like, he hits that at 30% on the season. Then Brooks hits an off-the-bounce three-point shot. He hits that at 27%. Anderson gets an offensive rebound. Morant gets to his left baseline sweet spot without much resistance. They run the squeeze pick and roll, which is still a major problem. We'll get to that in a second. Jackson hits a three. He's hitting 34% on the season. Then they get a fast break. Then they get a fast break. Then they get a fast break. There's the problem. They got confident. They got rolling. They got the fast breaks. Brooks hits another right side baseline jumper. Morant hits another floater. And then they start pounding Valanchunas on favors. A little bit of that, I think. Honestly, re-watching that, it was a great run. We were a little passive. We're not blameless. Some of that is just the ball fell for them. They got hot. That's the streak. And our offense was good enough on the other side. All right, let me run through some random notes for you. Uh, the squeeze pick and roll, the V pick and roll. Memphis comes up. They set a V. It's so you can't go under. There's no room for you to go under because the two bigs are touching, so you can't go under. A Morant forces you to go over. We are not stopping that play at all. The... If this game, if we get a close game late, I would suspect they run that every play. We're going to have to figure out how to slow that down. We have not slowed it down yet. Our hustle plays were outstanding. Clarkson, a bunch of hustle plays. Clarkson, not shooting it well. He's shot his way off. I loved his game. I thought he held up. He moved the ball. I thought the Jazz played with the pass. I thought he played with .5 terrifically. Uh, .5 is making a decision quickly. I loved Clarkson's game. I don't care if he made any shots. Uh... The ball did not stick like it did in game one. You know, with Donovan back, I don't think people felt the need to overplay. Um, it, it Super impressive. Uh, here are the random thoughts to wrap this up. Jonas is a beast. If Ru- any, Rudy just cannot leave him at any point, and that is a huge part of this entire game. Memphis is guarding 
O'Neal with Jaron Jackson early so that Jaron Jackson can hide around the rim as a second rim defender while the first big plays up on the pick and roll. The Jazz seem to have kind of figured this out, but Royce O'Neal taking the shot early and making a shot early is going to be really, really important. Um, Royce had just an unbelievably great start to that game. He just was defensively physical on it, played really, really well. Uh, Brooks goes out of the game with two fouls. O'Neal goes on to Morant. O'Neal bothers Morant much more than Mike Conley does, as Mike Conley is just small. Non-Morant minutes are going to be vital in this series. There weren't any in the second half because uh, Morant went the whole way, but Memphis were just so much better than Memphis when we go deep. We have to win those minutes. Uh, we have to keep our intensity up. If we blink tonight for any period of time, their energy level is incredible. Um Another note on how good Royce was. Rudy Gobert, very active, rolling very hard, very impressive. You know, one of the things I talked about the other day was, can you sag off Kyle Anderson, make him make threes to slow down Moran a little bit? Kyle Anderson's really good off the ball moving. He got bogey on a backdoor cut. There were a few other times where he moved. So he was he's impressive moving without the ball. Um... Another note that the Jazz are aware of where their pass needs to go. You know, we have, weren't able to really run our regular rotation in this game at all because of Donovan's minute restriction. We basically ran our regular minute rotation in the first half. We were up 59-44 when it stopped. And then, and then the third quarter, they came at us a little bit to bring it down. But in the first half, we were up 15 with our regular rotation. That makes me feel... Um, Pretty good. I thought altitude played a factor when they stretched out their guys' minutes. Valanciunas looked exhausted. Morant looked really tired at one point. Um, Conley was just insane on his reads, is another note. Great hustle plays across the board. And actually, I thought George Niang <coughs> guarding Dylan Brooks was good. He's big enough and strong enough to bother him and physically keep, kind of play the same game with him. And Brooks wants to go one-on-one. It kind of breaks their offense. So far, Brooks has had his way with uh, Niang, I'm not sure I buy it long term, and I kind of like George Niang guarding Dylan Brooks because of exactly what I said. Like he can top block him, he can get physical. He's willing to push him. If he picks up a foul or two, it doesn't matter. I like that matchup. I hope we see it for you know four or five minutes just to take a little juice out of Brooks during the ball game. All right, game two Saturday. We'll do postcast afterwards. I'll be back with you Monday. Hope you're doing well. Thanks very much for tuning in. Hope you like the game two video breakdown. Right now, Locked On Grizzlies with Sean Coleman is great. Or go to Locked On today and catch up on the latest things in the world of sports. It's all on the Locked On Podcast Network.